the only thing worse than a root canal is looking for a job on the internet. Hello everybody, this is Anthony Moore with Career Daily. I am here to put the human back in human resources. Let me be your competitive advantage on the job market. It is dog eat dog out there. Our research companies, new industries, I'll dig around, I'll figure out who some of the hiring leaders are, and I'll post all this information on our exclusive Facebook networking group. You'll also hear amazing interviews from professionals that I'm interviewing all across the country. Some are inspiring. Some are very informative. Some duds. I'll leave the duds out. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. So you want to become a recruiter. I've been a recruiter for more than 25 years. I use that word interchangeably with executive recruiter and and staffing. I'll tell you this, before I get into the skills and the traits and the habits, you need to understand that there are really no barriers to entry to get into the world of recruiting. So you have to understand immediately that you, your competition is fierce and there is a, a, a lot of recruiters that you are going to go up against and kind of compete with head to head. So it's almost like you decide you want to be a realtor. Well, there's a million realtors. What are you going to do that's going to make you stand out? How are you going to be different? How are you going to be special? How are you going to get that new listing? And so to be a recruiter, you've got to be good at a lot of things. You've got to have certain skills. You have to have certain traits. And one of those beyond measure is you really have to understand marketing and branding for yourself personally, because you're, it's just going to be hard for you to stand out. That's, that's my hot take. I think it's a very tough road. On the other hand, with the, the decimation we've had to our economy, there's a lot of pent up demand. There's a lot of money in corporate. And I do think in 2021, if we do put COVID behind us, we are going to see massive hiring. So there is an opportunity to make some money as a recruiter. So I would say it's a good idea to look into it. Okay, so let's dive in. What are the skills? What are the traits? What do you absolutely have to have? Well, there are some essential skills and qualities and habits that you need. But I don't want you to learn just how to be okay. Um, You know... I I really want you to learn really how to be a great recruiter, how to be the best recruiter. And first thing is you have to have sales skills. You may not think of yourself as a salesperson and you may think, hey, a recruiter, I don't need sales. Well, you really should think again. Um, That's one of the toughest parts of the job is sales, sales. Because in a lot of ways you are having to sell to get new companies to work with you and you're having to market and kind of sell the benefits of the job that you've picked up with your client to sell and market that out to the marketplace. Uh, marketplace. So you're going to encounter the need to use sales skills all along the entire kind of hiring process. Now, aside from sales, you have to have people skills. And people skills I define as being able to be very empathetic, being very good at listening, 
being honest, being transparent, and being extremely well-educated about your marketplace, meaning the candidates that you serve, the the industries that they are in, they come to expect certain types of professionals to interact with them, to behave in certain ways. For example, um, accountants, you know, are fairly conservative and they are used to seeing people in, you know, white shirts and ties, for example. Um, IT professionals, obviously very different, you know, longer hair, beards, nose rings, things like that would be commonplace, right? Um, and if you look like that and you kind of had that kind of lingo demeanor, probably it's okay with uh, parts of the IT community. That's probably not going to work on the accounting side as well. So people skills, I, I can't under, you, I, I can't underestimate. I can't, I, I don't want to um, undersell that, that aspect. So if you can't read a person, if you can't really understand that a person can be telling you something, one thing, but their demeanor or they're hiding something below what they're saying and you're not able to pick it up, you know, your people skills may not be up to, up to par because uh, there's multiple layers of communication and the spoken word is simply only one of them. And if you are always operating just based on what you hear, then your people skills are definitely going to suffer. And when you have a big deficiency like that in your recruiting game, you will inevitably end up getting burned, getting uh, your heart ripped out because you think you've about placed a person with a, with a great client and they end up taking another job or they just ghost you at the last minute. And it's because you had no people skills. You didn't, um, you didn't know how to read them. You didn't know how to control that situation. Uh, third area, communication skills. This kind of goes without saying, but, and I touched on it earlier about, you know, dealing with accountants versus IT, you have to be on point with your communication. You have to be very clear. You have to be compelling. You have to be detail oriented, but your, your manner of communication skills, the way you go about communicating with the marketplace, frankly, is I think tied to your people skills. If you have bad people skills, I think you have bad communication skills. I think if you have really, really good communication skills, I think that helps your people skills. So um, that is, uh, that's very important. And communication skills is beyond just verbal because we have to rewrite job descriptions. We have to rewrite um, social media postings. So there's a definite skill that which also ties into the next skill. The fourth one is marketing, marketing skills, because you can't just take a job description that the client has given you and put it out there because most of the time they're pretty horrible. They are not highlighting, selling, marketing the, the, the aspects that an experienced recruiter knows is more important to the marketplace than what the client is just putting out there. So um, that's important. Now, the other aspect of marketing is how do you go about 
getting more business in your marketplace. And when I say, I really should clarify something. I'm talking about a full desk recruiter. What's a full desk recruiter? A recruiter who is responsible for getting sales, getting new clients, company. When I say client, I mean company. I don't mean the candidate. Um, the, a full desk recruiter is responsible for not only bringing in clients, companies, but they're also responsible for recruiting candidates, the professionals. So you need incredible marketing skills on both sides of that desk. And believe me, you are going to run into problems, all kinds of problems, trying to recruit, trying to market. And that takes us back to, well, it takes us to our fifth skill, and that's problem-solving skills. This is one area that I'm very good at, and I'm because I just feel like maybe I've had to solve so many problems, and I'm currently solving problems. You never stop solving problems. If you've st if no more problems come your way, maybe you're not pushing hard enough. Maybe your goals are too small. But there should always be a problem that you have that needs to be solved, that needs to be fixed, and you're going to encounter many of them, different ones as your career progresses as a recruiter. So if you don't think of yourself as a problem solver, if you don't like having to solve problems, if you just want things to kind of run smoothly, you've got another thing coming. There are lots of problems in recruiting. Number six, negotiation skills. You do negotiate with your clients about your fees. You do negotiate with them about the terms of your contract. That's a, We could have a whole session on that. Now, are you negotiating with the candidates? I would say you're not negotiating with the candidates, but you are having to manage expectations. And frankly, that's uh, another very important skill. I would probably call that skill number seven, managing expectations, because expectations can really get you into trouble with both candidates and clients. So knowing how to uh, tap the brakes on a candidate who thinks they're about to get the job and it could be affecting how they're going to interview because they're so pumped up and so I've got this thing in the bag, managing those expectations, managing expectations around money, clients thinking that they can offer a lower amount. You've got to manage those expectations that they're not going to find what they want. They're going to have to raise that salary and raise that bonus to attract the right type of candidate. And on the flip side, really managing those expectations of the candidate who thinks they're so valuable that they should be able to get 20% more than the market value. So that's hugely important. So is that technically negotiation? Not really, but I think it kind of flows out of negotiation that you learn how to manage expectations. Um, number eight would be uh, time management skills. The reason for that is you're going to end up with multiple jobs on your desk. So you're going to have uh, multiple clients, multiple search assignments, and there's a desire to just kind of take the latest job you've gotten and go focus on it. And you let the other ones sit that don't get any, uh, don't get any recruiting support. So I find it very helpful to break the day into segments, this job here, that job there, and focus on multiple jobs in the same day. 
Don't forget, you're a full desk recruiter. You've got to do sales. You've got to be looking for new business. So you got to put that in your schedule as well. So those are absolutely skills you have to have. Now, let's transition over to qualities. Now, these qualities, can they be learned? I think some of them can be enhanced. And I think you can assume some of these qualities as you go. You may not, you may not have all of these skills, uh, all these qualities right away in, in a very strong manner. On a scale of 1 to 10, for example, confidence. <clears throat> you might not be, frankly, when I started, I was not very confident at all. But the saying goes, confidence does attract attract people and that helps, you know, in your, in your process. So, but I think the more you do it, the more confident you become. So the trick is what can you be confident in? You can be confident in yourself. You can be confident in your abilities. You can be confident in what you know. So there's some things that you do know. So if you dive in and really get to know your client, you get to know that business, get to know the job description inside and out, what they're looking for. And that can be very difficult when you've never worked in an industry before, say accounting, finance, or IT, and you're put in one of those spaces and you don't know anything about it. You've got a big learning curve. So you may not be real confident about understanding what an accountant does, but you can be very confident about what the company is that you're recruiting for. So find something that you can be confident in and rest on that. And the other areas that you're not as confident you know, I always tell candidates, look, this is a new, a new position. I've, I've not worked on this position before. I've worked with this client. I've worked in this industry. I kind of build my credibility, you know, around my general experience. But if I'm working on something that is really new to me, then I don't mind telling the candidates that because I think they, they appreciate it. And frankly, they can probably figure it out with the kind of questions that you ask. So number one, confidence. Um, Number two, um, you have to be patient. Now, patience is also, I, 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 would, I wouldn't just say patience. I would say uh, controlling your emotions because this can be quite emotional. There can be a bit of a roller coaster. You have some days that are great. You have some days that are bad. And you want to kind of flatten those out and level those out. And to do that, it takes patience. You have to be patient with yourself and you have to be patient with some of your clients and your candidates. If you're constantly pushing the edge, pushing um, for answers, you're can, you can really turn people off. So again, that goes back to reading people, okay, and learning how to communicate. So um, be patient. It does, there is a process. Now, something that you absolutely have to have, frankly, I would put this, and by the way, these are not in any particular order of importance, okay? So I say confidence number one. That's not necessarily the, the most important trait. If I did have to pick a trait, I might lean to this one. This one, I have this in spades. And we could argue this. Maybe we'll talk about it in the private Facebook group if, if you agree or disagree. But number three is persistence. Persistence is, I call it professional persistence because 
you you have to be dogged. You really do. And sometimes you feel like you're fighting a battle, a battle of working through technology issues, working through the inability to get a hold of people, working through the ability to even remotely find what the client wants, getting frustrated, okay, managing those emotions, being patient, but staying persistent. I am so incredibly persistent that I'm going to push through all problems. See, that kind of goes back to the problem-solving trait. Because the, I mean, frankly, those two go, go hand in hand. So, um, I think persistence is, uh, I don't think I need to describe or define persistence. I'm trying to think of ways that I have to be persistent. It's frankly, it sometimes you deal with a client that doesn't, that they tell you they know what they want, but then you start introducing resumes and people and it kind of changes. So you have to keep being persistent, going back to the market, looking, 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 digging, 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 trying to find that perfect superstar that they want. And frankly, then you need persistence on the sales side because you're going to run into, as I run into all the time, just roadblocks, roadblocks, roadblocks. And if you give up, if 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 things get hard and you give up really easy, again, not the career for you, um, you're not very persistent. Now, along with persistence, you have to be professional. And I did say you remember, I said professional per- persistence. So you can, you can be annoying. You don't want to be annoying, but you have to be professionally persistent. And part of reading people, part of communicating those very, very important traits, you have to take this, uh, this, uh, uh, this has to be front and center that you're professional. And I know it's kind of, you know, it goes without saying, but it is your brand. It's who you are. It, what makes you stand out and be separate from the millions of other recruiters that are out there. And it becomes your kind of your personal way of, um, of communicating. It, it kind of sets up in, in the candidate's mind, the client's mind that you're trustworthy, that you're dependable, that they know you're going to be persistent and that you can continue to do the work when they're not around seeing you, they're not getting updates from you. They know you're professional. They know you're out there. And that is a, um, a big draw, a big attracting feature of a great recruiter. And of course, uh, with that professionalism, as I mentioned, it kind of hints to the fact that you're dependable. And being dependable doesn't always mean that you're successful for the client. You can not be successful for the client for reasons that are frankly the client's mistakes. The client has some unrealistic expectations, but you are dependable. You do deliver on time. You do bring resumes. You do bring updates. You bring information both to both sides, to the candidates and to the clients. And they see that you are dependable. And that's a great... Um, that's a great feature that you can bring because let's face it, if you're a, if you're a hiring leader and you're having to deal with an internal HR group or internal talent acquisition, they can be so overworked that you just don't, you don't believe in them. You just don't think they're going to come through for you, which means they don't feel like they can depend on them. So yes, naturally 
you would think if you are making placements and you're being successful, then absolutely that means you're dependable. But you can be dependable and not make a placement because you still have done what you said you would do. You still have brought the information. You've still done the work. And that's what they're depending on. Now, ultimately, yes, they want the placement. Um, and if it sounds like I'm kind of slanting toward the client, the company, it's because a full desk recruiter is, if you don't have clients, you don't have anything. So, I mean, that's the, they're, they're the bread and butter. You know, you work for the clients. The candidates that you're supporting, you do everything you can to help them. You do everything you can to help them advance their career, learn everything they can about the company, about the job, about the career opportunities. And you really do become a kind of a career counselor for them. And they can depend on you to get that information. But the candidates don't pay you. So you have to remember that the clients pay you. Being comfortable with risk. Well, what does that mean? Being comfortable with risk means that typically most recruiters are paid on commission or a draw or a smaller salary with um, a commission if they reach a certain level of uh, production. So this is not like going into a corporate role, being paid six figures and a small bonus. And you can just count on that, right? You are, you are putting yourself out there for, with a little more risk. Because you can do a lot of work and never get paid. And I'm referring to contingency recruiting. Okay. Contingency recruiting, which is the majority of the recruiting that's out there, means that you don't get paid. You don't invoice the client until they hire somebody. So what does that mean? It means that you could work for three weeks, four weeks on a job and never get paid because they don't hire anybody from you. Okay. And that's why you have to be persistent. And that's why you have to manage your emotions and manage your expectations, okay? Um, be comfortable with chaos. I would say, maybe I wouldn't say chaos. I think maybe I would say just be comfortable with ever-changing, which is probably what chaos is. I guess I just don't like the word chaos. I, I wrote it down, but I don't, know, I, I don't know that I really would call it chaos. Just you have to be comfortable with change. You have to be comfortable with um, every day can be a little bit different, right? You're not necessarily doing the same thing every day. It does look a little bit different. So it is, you know, recruiting is a little higher risk. Um, so with that, you know, you, you, um, you feel like you're on top of the world. The next minute you feel like you've just, you're, you're a huge failure. Why am I doing this? I'm not making any money. So that can be kind of chaotic in a really busy office, frankly, uh, it can be very chaotic just because there's so much going on. And frankly, it's kind of motivating too to be around that much fun activity. Um, so what are the habits? Um, I'm going to kind of run through these kind of quickly. Um, you have to plan. You know, we've all heard it. You know, you fail to plan. You plan to fail. So you do need to plan. You do need to plan how you're going to be spending your time recruiting, marketing, getting information, getting intel, uh, Spending, you know, dedicating time for the phone, dedicating time for email, dedicating time for follow-up. Um, and yes, you really do need to be on the phone. And it's getting harder and harder and harder to do that. But sorry, you can't build relationships over email and over text. Uh, tracking metrics. Some companies are very good at tracking metrics. Others are pretty loosey-goosey. Um, this is not the uh, episode here for me to go into metrics, but you need metrics. 
Okay. And if you don't know what the metrics are, you need to find out what the metrics are. And because if you don't have metrics, then it's very hard for you to plan and know that you're hitting your goals. Another incredibly important, I'd say trait. I don't know. Maybe this is not even really a habit, maybe more of a trait, but um, something that's definitely uh, must be done is prioritization. Not all searches are the same. And that's what you're prioritizing. You're not prioritizing candidates. You're prioritizing the work that you're going to do for a particular client. Three new clients come in. One's in a very desirable location. One's in a so-so location, probably 30 minutes outside of town. Another one could be an hour and a half away. It's going to be a long drive for anybody. So, you know, you begin to prioritize, okay, well, which job is more appealing? Who is more likely to go work for one of these companies? And there's lots of different factors. Uh, There's, frankly, probably seven or eight different factors that I look at to determine if I have a great client. And that's what you want. You want to prioritize your great clients with a great job in front of the others that are dogs. So learning to prioritize will help you make money quicker, which will reduce the risk. Uh, If you're not good at prioritizing and you spend your time on bad jobs, so-so jobs, or you've not done a good job of qualifying and understanding your client, what they want, you end up wasting a lot of time. It takes you through that emotional roller coaster, and that can be very detrimental to your your mental health and and eventually your confidence. Um, Following through, honestly, Probably the biggest feedback I've gotten from candidates of why they don't like recruiters is they don't follow up. You have to follow up. If you tell someone you're going to do something and it happens all the time, oh, I'll let you know when I hear back from the client. And then you never call that candidate back. Why? Because the client rejected that candidate and now you've moved on to the other candidates. Oh, by the way, yeah, what about that other candidate that you talked to a week ago? They're sitting there waiting to hear your feedback. You better give feedback. You better follow through. It is detrimental to your brand. It's not professional. Okay. That probably goes part of that. That's part of the professionalism. Um, Pushing past the status quo as a trade. I think, I think the point here is that I like to set unlimited goals, goals that are so big it blows your mind. Goals. Elon Musk creates the biggest goals. I want to colonize Mars. You think he's pushing past the status quo? I want to build tunnels underneath the earth for faster travel. Okay. Another crazy Elon Musk idea, but he is pushing past the status quo. You really may not understand how to push past the status quo until you get started. But go back and and refer to this again because that's something that you're going to want to do. Now, continuous training and education. When I started, I was always being given. I was always given training on Monday morning. So we trained every more every Monday morning. So that was important um, because you want to stay fresh, you want to stay current, and you don't want to get complacent. And I do love learning, and I think that's probably how I would say it. The trade is you need to keep learning, learn, 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 always learn something new. Like I had to learn how to podcast. I've had to learn how to do different marketing techniques. So never stop pushing yourself to learn. 
So those are some of the um, kind of the bigger uh, bigger points that I would say for recruiting. This is kind of what you need to have. And I think as I wrap this up, I think I would just you know say um, once you get started. No, you know what? I, I'm not going to wrap up. I, I've got a few more ideas here, so scratch that idea. I, I just, I just, a couple of more thoughts um, came to me. Now, what niche should you get into, and should you be in a niche? I'll give you for example. If you want to work, let's say, accounting and finance positions, and you're in a city, let's say Atlanta. There's a lot of accounting and finance positions in Atlanta. So you may not have to niche down any further than just, I'm going to work accounting and finance jobs in Atlanta. You've got a big city, lots of different jobs that gives you enough volume. But what if you were to say, man, I'm really good at finding accountants, just accountants. There's a, so many of them in every company. And every company seems to lose accountants. And I want to focus on just accountants. Well, could you do that just in Atlanta? Or what if you did just accountants? What if you just did accountants all across the country? What if that was just your niche right there? I only do accountants. What if you found that accountants for manufacturing was very interesting? You could do, you could only work in the manufacturing industry. Maybe you would say, I only work manufacturing industry and I find all types of accounting finance people within manufacturing. I think the more you do niche yourself down, the better. Some people focus only on sales. Some people only focus on VP of sales. The more you niche down, the broader the geographic area you're going to have to go. Classic example of that, and this will make total sense when you, when you think about it, if you're going to be in an executive recruiter and only work on C-level positions, CFO, uh, chief marketing officer, or the, you know, head of HR, let's just say CFO, chief financial officer. How many CFOs are in each, each company? One. How many accountants are in each company? Five, six, ten. Depends on the size of the company. More than one unless you're just a teeny tiny company, but that's not a target market for, for a recruiter because they're too small. They won't pay the fee. So if you're going to focus on CFO level, there's only one per company. So that is automatically a national practice. Okay. Um, I went through a period where I was placing corporate controllers. That was a great niche. And I did that on a regional basis. I did a lot of that in the Southeast. So I think niching down is great because it helps you focus. It helps you become an expert in that field and all the content that you end up creating for your marketing can be designed around that niche, right? So if, if you're a generic recruiter, a generalist, and you recruit everything from sales, finance, marketing, IT, engineering, manufacturing. Well, when you go to make a posting on LinkedIn, well, who do you talk to? Who's your target audience? There's a lot of clutter there. So 
I think there's a great, great, great value in niching down. And I can't tell you which direction to go. But I can offer this advice. If you decide to be a recruiter and think you've got some of the skills, traits, and habits, then the next choice is do you go to work on your by yourself? I think the answer is no. Don't do it by yourself because you don't know what you're doing yet. Maybe that's your goal one day is to own your own agency, your own company. I did that for 10 years. That was a great, great experience. Um, the, de the decision is what company do you go work for? And I would work for a company that has a lot of recruiters. The more recruiters, the better to start with. Eventually, you might want to work for a smaller firm because there's less marketing and sales competition for clients and for candidates. Because imagine if you worked, imagine if you worked for an accounting and finance recruiting firm and there's 50, 50 recruiters in there and the place has been around for 20 years, you know, most of the clients, most of the candidates, you're, you might intuitively think have already been contacted, right? How are you going to break in and, and find your own new clients and new candidates? So um, I would say, you know, find a, a, a mid-sized recruiting firm, maybe with five, six, 10 recruiters that work in a particular segment. So you might have a group, might have a company that they have like a sales practice, a marketing practice, uh, a sales and marketing practice, an IT practice, a manufacturing practice, um, accounting finance practice. And then there's three or four or five recruiters in that group. That could be a really sweet spot set up for you to get in and learn. There's already clients in there. There's already jobs. You can just focus on trying to find candidates to start with, get some candidate flow, get some activity, get some volume, get some placements. And then you'll start to learn and develop your techniques and your methods for going to business. I mean, going, going out to get new business so you can run a full and complete full desk setup. So that's what I would do. Do you have any questions? Message me on Facebook. I'm happy to help you, you know, figure out more about should you be a recruiter. Remember, there's a lot of them. So you better be very persistent. You better be unique. And above all, you better be real. You better be honest. You better be genuine. Otherwise, they are going to see right through you and you will fail miserably. That's it, guys. Thanks for your support. Be sure to uh, subscribe, like the show. I'd love to get a comment. I'd love to get a rating. Tell me what you think. Uh, the more we're rated and ranked up in iTunes, the more people uh, I can help, the more people that can get these messages out, which is why I do it. And join the private Facebook group where we can share more thoughts, ideas, Q&A, and uh, ideas are posted there about upcoming episodes that people would like to see. Okay, guys, have a great day. Talk to you soon. It's Tony Moore. Until next time. Don't forget, head over to LinkedIn and follow me and then go to Facebook and join the exclusive Career Daily Facebook group. That's where I'll have links to the show notes and all the people and companies that we've discussed today.